Hello, Legends, and welcome to our 120th episode of Catching Up With Cub. Who would have thunk it that we made 120, but we did. And thanks to you, Catching Up With Cub keeps growing and keeps moving up the charts. So I want to tell you how grateful I am for your support and listenership, and I hope that this podcast helps in some way. Today's going to be very different. We have no guests. It's just me, myself, and I. We're trying something new in this episode. It's going to be a brief uh, update of all things Cub. One of the best parts about my job is that I get to speak to business owners constantly and come behind the curtains of their minds and hear about their lessons, the reasons they make decisions, and, and just their thought processes towards things. And what that's given me is a very wide view of entrepreneurship and business. I don't agree with everything but I learn why people think that way. And that's what I want today to be about. I want to share my lessons with you. I want to discuss Mark Boris acquiring part of Cub and the lessons I've found around finding the perfect, perfect business partner or investor. I want to discuss our recent media and the, the, the amazing press we've been getting and all the incredible lessons I've learned our clubhouse expansions and the lessons and the, sorry, not the lessons and the mistakes, the many, many mistakes we made with our first clubhouse launches and how we're doing them differently and what we're doing this time and what anyone can learn about expanding their business if they need to open more offices. And finally, I want to share some inside secret into a very secret digital platform that we're about to launch in November, a platform that is going to simplify the way business owners connect and exchange value across our country. I don't know if this is going to be a great episode. It's our first time doing this, but I hope it is, and I hope you enjoy the show. Mark Boris has acquired Equity and Cub, and let me say, finally, because me and Mark have been discussing him being involved in the club for many, many years. Uh, in fact, I wanted to share the story of how that happened. Um, it, before I started Cup, I would have been 22. Um, uh, a family friend introduced me to Mark and, and I somehow got a meeting with him. And, you know, young Daniel, you know, I was dressed up at the time. I would have looked like a moron. Everything was out of place, not tailored and whatnot. But at the time, I thought I felt I was pretty slick. I went to Mark's office in um, Chifley Square and I was obviously extremely nervous. I I typically don't get nervous around business owners, but there's an air around Mark that is intimidating, but also very inviting for those uh, those who have met him could probably, especially the members could probably agree with that. But anyway, the receptionist took me through this very long hallway, what seemed to go forever, and through this kind of secret looking door and straight into Mark's office. And Mark was sitting there at his big, scary looking desk, which kind of wraps around the office. Um, he didn't get up. He just said, ah, oh, welcome, nice to meet you. He knows my dad, so he mentioned that. We sat down and and I tried to just start going into Cub and pitching it to him. But that was a mistake because, I mean, what I, don't, what I know now is what you should always do first with people is build a relationship. Like sales, build a rapport. But just, just relax and get to know each other, talk. Anyway, I started pitching Mark straight away. This is what Cub is. It's going to be a business family. We're going to unite Australia's entrepreneurs, business owners, and blah, 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 blah. And I could see in his eyes that I, I wasn't sure if he believed me. I, I think he he thought, okay, well, it sounds good. It's aligned with my vision and you know, it's aligned with him. He supports business. But I don't really know if um, if you're gonna if you're capable of doing what you say you're going to do because, you know, 22-year-old Daniel looked like a bit of a moron. And so that meeting I actually left a little bit not discouraged. 
you know, I felt like I had failed because I thought he was going to be like, oh, yeah, here you go. Here's some cash. Let's, uh, I'm in. And, and that wasn't the case. But what happened was something really special. Mark actually started mentoring me. He kept his eye on me and he kept his eye on Cub for many, many years. And as myself and Cub proved ourselves to Mark and as, as he watched that we grew, and that we overcame adversities and that we fixed problems. And he heard me sharing these problems and sharing these obstacles and these accomplishments with him. We built not just a relationship and what's now turned to a great friendship, but I think we built a confidence. Whereas I was confident in sharing problems and, and, and take on board his advice. And he was confident that I was listening and also capable of overcoming adversities and solving these problems and pushing forwards. And I think that's an essential element towards finding the ideal investor or business partner. When you've built a relationship over a long period of time and they've almost, you've, you've proved yourself to them and they feel safer getting involved with you and you actually feel safer getting involved with them because you, you've got that friendship and you know how you work well together. And I think that's an important element of what happened uh, with, uh, with myself and Mark. And we actually had agreed for Mark to acquire part of Cub in 2019, right before the COVID hit. And obviously when COVID hit, it's not that Mark pulled out. He didn't at all. He probably would have kept moving forwards. I almost pulled out because I freaked out and thought, shit, I've got to keep my, I've got to focus on Cub. I need to get Cub through this thing. We bring people together for a living. And now, yeah, we can't literally bring them together. So, so we, we got delayed there, but finally COVID's over, things smooth. Cub had its, its, its fastest growth year in record at that time in 2020. And it was just another it was another adversity we overcame that Mark was able to see. And finally, now that COVID, uh, although it does seem to be making a little bit of a comeback, now that COVID is somewhat over, um, we've formalised this deal. And I can't tell you how proud I am of our team and of our members for making this possible because Mark doesn't get involved with anyone. He, he's been watching Cub for a long time. He knows how strong Cub is as a community and how strong our team is to not just overcome obstacles, but to succeed and do things no one else has ever done in our space, in our industry in Australia. So that was uh, incredible news. And the lessons that I had there were, A, me and Mark built a very strong friendship. And if you're going to find the ideal investor, it's got to be someone that you, you actually enjoy talking to, you hang out with. Me and Mark talk about the UFC and all the other things we have in common <laughs> more than we talk about work. But but it, it's it's the relationship. We trust, well, I trust him, he trusts me. And I think that's a very good, I think that's an essential part of having a good investor. Cub was never desperate for an investor. We never, we, we, there's you know how many people tried to buy part of Cub, how many large organizations, individuals, so many times we got, we got uh, approached. We turned them down or we turned all of them down because we didn't need the money. And I didn't want anyone barking at me all the time. I like Cub running how it's running uh, <laughs> with me choosing how things work. Uh, and Mark watched us over a period of time. So he was able to see how I operate. He was able to see how the business works and to gain his own confidence before getting involved, meaning he was also more comfortable with the decision. So these were all things that, that worked very well for us and, and I think that people should, should hear about. Now, Mark getting involved has triggered a whole string of media and PR we haven't done PR at Cub since literally the beginning. Um, I don't know why, because we should be, because this round of PR has been fantastic. And, and I've just learned so much during this round of PR. The first thing I learned is when you're in the media, perception changes. 
I don't know why. The company's no different. The company's exactly the same. We're still fucking badass and we're still amazing. But perception changes. And the, that just shows you the power of the media and how strong it is. And I, honestly, I probably won't be taking a break from PR. We'll stay relevant and in the media ongoing because I can see how much of an impact it makes on perception and, and the, the the perception of not just, I mean, it wasn't so much the perception of the members. The members know who we are. They, they're, they're in club, they're involved. They, they can see the progression and the strength of the community. It's the perception of people outside of the club. And it was a really good lesson. The other thing that's happened with the media, they know how to get attention and to how to get, how to create a title that generates readership. And whether it be the Financial Review, the Australian or any other publication that we've been in, they all did it exceptionally well. And I learned from them. For example, our uh, press releases were about how Mark is now acquired part of Cub and is, is involved in Cub. But what the media did so ingeniously and actually gave me good vision of was mentioned Mark and acquiring part of Cub, but they also positioned us in opposition to the old stuffy men's only clubs of the past. Now that was incredibly powerful because that is a trending topic in the media already, which generates that plus Mark plus Cub being fucking sexy and cool anyway, generated a huge amount of readership for the, for the publications, which they, they reached out to us and told us that. But it did more than that. It actually helped me identify what Cub's position in the market is, which is in opposition to the old stuffy men's only clubs of the past. Now, we've always been that. Cub has always been the modern leadership community that we represent the modern face of Australian uh, of Australian business, the diverse and modern face of Australian business. And all we care about is if you are passionate and accomplished as a business owner, we want you in our club. You are one of us and we wanna support you as a community. We don't have these uh, not let women in and all this, don't let you in if you're not from the right family or your dad wasn't part of this club so you can't be. There's none of that. We, we've we always been that. And I never consciously pitted us against it. That was just what came naturally to Cub. That was what I thought was the best way to do it. And honestly, I never knew any other way to do it. But what the media did was they really summarised that for me. And they also showed me the power of having an enemy, right, in a story. I, we've never... We've never pitted ourselves against anyone. And I honestly don't see these old clubs as the enemy because I don't see our members being their members. The members of those clubs aren't our members. So we're not even stealing members from each other, but we're enemies in terms of concept, right? We would never turn down a member because they are a woman or for any other reason other than if they weren't a business owner because we are a members club for business owners, right? But if you are a business owner and you fit the requirements of CUB, we want you in this club and, and we want to support you and help you succeed. And that is, that is, so it's the concept that we're the enemy of. And I think that has helped Cub really identify our, our position, our own identity. And now we're going to focus so much on that identity and even more than we were, because before it was just, we were doing it naturally. Now we're going to take special attention to it, even more special attention to it and really push it. And that is a big value. And that's something that wouldn't have happened without the ingenious minds of the journalists that, that wrote about Cub. So I want to just thank them and, and thank the, the, thank the media for, for helping us. And that's again, another great lesson for people. It's first of all, perception is everything. The media are great at what they do. You know, you don't know what they're going to write about you, what they're going to do, but they're going to do what gets attention. 
And sometimes what gets attention gives you a great position and furthers your identity as a brand. And that has very much helped us take leaps and bounds forwards. And we're really going to own that position. And in owning a position, you have to own it. And while Cub is the most diverse and modern leadership community in the country, that doesn't mean we're perfect either. It doesn't mean we have equal gender split and equal everything. We don't. But we we want to make it as accepting and as diverse and as, as strong as possible. And I believe that the best way to make the club stronger and the community stronger and the membership experience better for every member is through the diversity, the generosity and the inclusiveness of the club. And we're going to work very hard to further that agenda and to do everything in our power to make it a better club for everybody. And finally, another thing I learned from the media is the importance of knowing your brand message. I have been doing so many interviews lately, I can't tell you, and I sound like a Muppet. I'm like a penguin. I'm just flopping around the place. I don't know what's going on because they ask me a question and I start talking about something else. It's so weird how your brain does that. You don't think you're going to do that. You think you just answer the question, but you don't. You end up talking about 50 different things and you, I don't know if it's because I'm a, I go on rants or why, but but one thing I'm really going to focus on is actually perfecting my brand message and, and the message that Cub communicates. And, and, and I still don't even know what that is, so I can't tell you, but I definitely know it's communicating our position in opposition to being uh, sexist, biased, or whatever these, these other clubs are. Um, it's being modern and forward-thinking and innovative, and it's about being stronger together. And knowing your message for any business owner, whether it be to pitch, to communicate in your website, it's just another thing that the media uh, and these journalists have taught me. So I think these are all lessons that could be really cool for everybody else. Now, I want to talk about our Clubhouse expansion because we get messages from people all over the country asking when we're going to be in their city, Perth, Adelaide, Parramatta, everywhere, Brisbane. And and I just want to give people a clear path as to when we're going to be there and why we're making the decisions that we are. Now, I've launched three clubhouses now, Potts Point, Sydney CBD, and Melbourne. And I basically screwed the first two up, which were Sydney, it was Potts Point and Melbourne. And the reason I did is I didn't know how to launch. I've learned a lot of lessons on how to launch. The first thing that I did in Melbourne was I launched too quickly. It was the second year of Cub. We didn't have... Um, we, we, we sent half the team from Sydney, which was doing all right in Sydney for, I mean, for a second year company. We sent half the team to Melbourne, including myself. That took us from having a strong team, a decent team, one decent team, to two very weak teams. That put us in a very bad financial position. And I never want to make either as, uh, those mistakes again whether it be splitting the team, launching too early um, and, and not doing it when we were financially incredibly stable. The other issue we did, we, we didn't have our servicing operations down packed. We actually didn't have any of our operations written down uh, for, for replication, which was a huge mistake. So I've learned a lot in terms of what not to do when launching a club and, and moving forwards, we're doing it very differently. Now, a lot of people have heard me say, we're launching Brisbane, Cronulla, Parramatta, uh, Canberra came up and Adelaide, Perth, and, and we are, we are doing them all. But with, you know, recent news in the media about potential recessions and things coming, I've decided to do them a bit more strategically and a bit more measured of mind. And at least the next two are going to be one at a time. Our next priority, the current priority is Brisbane. Brisbane is going to be open in February of 2023. 
we know how to open Brisbane. I'm not splitting the team this time. You know, I'm getting a club head before we open that that person's going to go and do it themselves. So we don't touch the teams. We are incredibly financially stable, especially to open just one clubhouse. So I don't have to worry about our finances, even if a recession were to come. Our operations are perfect. No one's perfect. Our operations are great. (laughs) Replicable. And so we can do that and we have a team that can go. We've got two members of our leadership team that can go and help the new club head in Brisbane launch. These are all lessons. These are all things people should take uh, on board when they're launching. And once Brisbane's open and we assess the economic climate, we will move for Parramatta straight away. There's no reason why Parramatta can't can't be next year as well. It should be and it's going to be. And then again, we reassess. We're going to assess the the economy and, and the situation, the financial situation. And then what I think, what I hope, is that we're going to pump out clubhouses like paintball bullets. Bah, 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 bah. We're going to have Manly. We're going to have Wollongong. We're going to have Canberra, Adelaide, Perth, all these places that people are writing to us from. We're going to, whenever there is a group of business owners in this country, we're going to put a club there so that they have a home. They've got a place to meet and they've got a community that can support them through who knows what is coming up. We just went through covid now it's kind of making a little bit of a comeback, you know, the, the, the media's back on it a bit. But who knows what else is coming. But what we do know is that we're going to be stronger together. The biggest risk we can take is being alone and more clubhouses in more cities mean more business owners have community, have the ability to come together and to help each other, to support each other. And that's what our mission is. That's what Cubs all about. So that's what you can expect. Brisbane will be open February or before February 2023 and Parramatta will be shortly after. After that, you'll see us going clubs everywhere. And finally, we have been secretly working on a digital platform that is going to change the game for business owners. It's going to democratize having a strong network for every business owner in Australia. It is a business media that simplifies the way business owners connect and exchange value. Like I said, it's going to democratize having a strong network. It is low cost. It is going to be accessible uh, from anywhere at any time. And it is going to put the support of thousands, hundreds of thousands of business owners in your pocket. I won't say the name of it. We will be announcing that shortly. But we've been working on that. And the reason we are is because I want to serve more business owners. And I know the way to best do that is through technology. Cub is amazing. But Cub is also geographically restricted. It's expensive. And we have a limited number of positions in each club. So we can't have everybody. Whereas this platform will be able to serve as many business owners as we can. And I can't wait. So stay tuned on it. We're raising $2 million actually next month through the members of Cub who have already committed all the money to launch in November. So stay tuned. And finally, we always wrap up with a bit of a key lesson and I want to share one that has worked wonders for me lately. As Cub expanded and as I, as basically as we built a leadership team and I had to start putting more trust and responsibility into the incredible team members that we have, I found myself in a situation where, okay, we had our operations and people could see what we wanted and we had plans and people could see what we should be doing. But you still want to be in the loop of what's going on and and it's hard to let go of things. And I started looking at myself as like a coach. I hate the word coach because there's too many fucking coaches in this world. But, But as like a mentor or a coach or someone that just 
your team can bounce ideas off to come up with their own conclusions and their own decisions. And by making mistakes in their own decisions and making wins, they become much stronger team members and therefore it makes your company stronger. And I think that's a key lesson that as the owner, you should maybe look at yourself as almost a coach or a mentor to, for, for in certain aspects to, to, to anyone on your team, but to, to particularly those that you work with most and those that carry the most responsibility because that will make them stronger. And when they become stronger, they can then pass on and mentor those after them. And that's how your company moves forwards and grows. I hate bringing in new people. I like – raising the people that we have because you trust them. I trust them. They've been there for years and they know Cub. People have different – people love hiring people sometimes. I don't. I don't. I like keeping people and I like lifting up the ones that we have and being that mentor-coach relationship I found has helped Cub push forwards. And the lesson there is view yourself as a mentor or a coach. Don't view yourself as a boss. And that is our 120th episode. I don't know if that was good or not. But I hope some of you took something away from it. Next time, we'll be back on our typical episodes where we talk to much more interesting people than just myself. Hope you enjoy the show.